Warmer, sunnier days are finally arriving. As outside is calling, Factor is here to make sure that however busy you get, your meals are taken care of, giving you all the energy and time to enjoy that weather. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and, oh yes, blackened salmon. Don't mind if I do. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine and give yourself time to focus on what makes you happy. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash danjones50 and use code danjones50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code danjones50 at factormeals.com slash danjones50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. In a castle called Trifels, on a windswept mountain in what's now southwest Germany, a lonely prisoner sings a mournful song. He's written it himself in solitary confinement, and it's a sorry lament. As the wind roars around the high tower that holds his cell, he works on the words. In Old French, the song begins, Jeannus sans prix. Ne dira sa raison. Adroitement, c'est dolentement non. In English, that roughly translates as A prisoner can never speak his mind openly without sadness. He mourns the number of his so called friends who won't raise the money he needs to get him out of jail. He sings that he would never treat anyone the way that he's been treated. He howls that going to prison is like death. Once you're out of sight, all your family and allies quickly forget you ever existed. And he calls out the knights who should be loyal to him. Their swords are sheathed and rust unused while I languish here. But who, I hear you cry, is our solitary troubadour? Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you none other than Richard the Lionheart, Plantagenet King of England. Richard is singing the blues, and to be fair, he has every right to. It's spring 1193, and he's been in prison for more than three months. First, up a different mountain at Dernstein in Austria, then at the court of the German Emperor, and now in the blasted wilderness of Trifels. And that's not his only problem. Besides being locked up with nothing to do but write emo tunes, Richard also has to deal with the knowledge that things are going exceptionally badly, not just for him, but for his Plantagenet empire and his ultimate dream of being the crusader king to take back Jerusalem for the forces of Christianity. The news is sometimes slow getting to him, but he's got at least some idea of how dire things are. In England and Normandy, his feckless brother John has been telling everyone who'll listen that Richard is dead 
and that he's his replacement. John's also promised to marry Richard's ex fiance Alice, to forge an alliance with Richard's deadliest rival, Philip Augustus of France. Encouraged by that, Philip Augustus has been seizing Richard's castles in Normandy. And, in the south of Richard's empire, neighbours of his Duchy of Aquitaine are sharpening their swords and preparing to invade. It's not looking good. And to make his prison stay even more frustrating, Richard's got wind that in Jerusalem, his great nemesis Saladin has died of a severe fever. It would have been the perfect time to swoop back and reclaim the Holy Land while his enemy's forces were leaderless, but now there seems to be precious little chance of making the most of this. Because, well, for one thing, he's in prison, and for another, pretty much every major ruler in Western Europe hates his guts. His only allies are a handful of his old crusade buddies and royal officials he left at home to try and keep order. And of course, his dear old mum, Eleanor of Aquitaine. His captors say they want 100,000 quid to let him go. Today, that wouldn't even buy you a garage in London. In 1193, though, it's the equivalent of more than a whole year's royal revenue, or the cost of another crusade. They don't call Richard the Lionheart for nothing, but it's going to take every single scrap of his courage, determination and guile to get out of this one. I'm Dan Jones, and from Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is History. Season 2 of A Dynasty to Die For. Episode 7, Lockdown. When I think about Richard the Lionheart, I find it sometimes easy to forget he was a real person. What I mean by that is that this guy feels much more like a figure from myth or legend than a real, living, breathing human being. His story is so much more extravagant than your regular monarchs. It's like fantasy comic book stuff. And yet, it's true. Or at least most of it is. Take the song I just told you about, Jeanne Sans Prix. Now, once upon a time, there was a story about Richard that said he was banged up in a German castle and no one could find him until his faithful minstrel, a chap called Blondel, went wandering from castle to castle, singing lines to a song only the two of them knew, until one day Richard heard him and sang them back. Historians, being the spoil sports we are, have nixed that story as a romantic tale put about later by what amounts to the 13th century minstrels' PR department. And for a rundown on minstrels in the Middle Ages, and their grand claims, do pop along to this week's subscriber episode. And yet, beneath this tale is a solid historical truth. Richard really does sing mopey prison ballads, and pretty good ones, by the standard of the age. And he really is confined in a castle on top of a mountain. Not very standard King of England behaviour. For someone like Richard, who spent the last two years playing the all-action warrior king, 
it's a very unwelcome change of pace. And it looks like getting out will be very difficult indeed. But before we get to his bid for freedom, let's wheel back a bit and find out what happened to get Richard imprisoned in the first place. If you think back over the last couple of episodes, when we were on the Third Crusade with Richard, you might recall that although he won some significant victories out in the Holy Land, he also managed to royally rile up a few of the people on his own side. One of them was Philip Augustus of France, who Richard antagonised while they were crusading together in Sicily and continued offending when they got to the Kingdom of Jerusalem, until Philip stormed off home early in a huff. But Philip wasn't the only one. The leader of the Germanic contingent of troops on the crusade was a guy called Leopold, Duke of Austria. Remember when Richard was in Cyprus? He captured the local ruler and clapped him in silver manacles? Well, that guy was a relative of Leopold's on his mother's side. But that's not everything. More vexing to Leopold is what happened in the immediate aftermath of Acker's fall. All the crusaders went rushing in to loot the city and started sticking up the flags of their lords on the places they were claiming for themselves. When this happened, Richard, or his men, went round ripping down all Leopold's flags. The implication was that the Germans hadn't pulled their weight on the crusade and didn't deserve any of the plunder. This was personally embarrassing to Leopold. He was only in charge of the Germans because the German emperor, Frederick Barbarossa, drowned in a river on the way, and his successor died of disease early in the Siege of Acre. Leopold was basically the only Germanic crusader of any status at all left hanging around. As a mere duke, he's very much not of the calibre of King Richard and King Philip. Richard has very little patience with people getting above what he considers to be their station. Remember a few episodes back, when he tried to beat up a peasant for having the temerity to fly a hawk? This is more or less the same thing. It's very Richard. And maybe, in the strict context of the hierarchy-obsessed Middle Ages, he was right. But he was bullheaded and insensitive, and came across as arrogant. From that moment onwards, he's off Leopold's Christmas list for good. Now hold all that in mind and fast forward with me to the end of the crusade, after the battles with Saladin and the failed marches on Jerusalem. In late 1192, Richard goes home, but because he's ill and preoccupied with, you know, making peace in the Middle East, he sets off dangerously late for sailing. He gets from Jerusalem to Corfu okay, but by then it's full-on winter. Ordinarily, no one in their right mind would brave the winter seas. But Richard gets word on Corfu that his brother John is on manoeuvres, and very much up to no good. As we heard in the last episode, he's undermining Richard's officials and might be planning even worse. 
This is hardly a surprise, but it's definitely a problem. Richard can't afford to hang around. So he makes a risky decision. He can't be going home via Sicily or any similar sedate route. He's going to have to head for land, maybe somewhere around Venice, and then dash by foot and horseback until he's back in Plantagenet territory. He leaves his large ships to go home the long way. He hires a couple of small galleys to take him and a very few trusted companions north through the Adriatic to some safe place for them to hit the mainland. Pretty much anywhere he gets off, he's going to be faced with the prospect of picking his way through country ruled by potentially hostile lords he's annoyed while on crusade. As we all know, Richard loves a dangerous gamble. But for once in his life, it doesn't pay off. In fact, Richard the Gambler is set to lose just about everything except the shirt on his back. When Henry III chose his royal advisers, he ended up with some very untrustworthy power grabbers, which led to poor management decisions, rebellions, and at least one person in prison. Why didn't he use Indeed? Well, Indeed wasn't around back then, but it is today. Indeed is the ultimate hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and matching technology that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. When I was hiring, I didn't use Indeed either and the process was very slow and stressful, so I wish I had. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Dynasty. Indeed.com slash Dynasty. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The world's full of people celebrating their successes, but if the Plantagenets have taught us anything, it's that failing is much more interesting. So that's why I'm certain you're going to love the podcast How to Fail. The very brilliant Elizabeth Day invites guests on to talk about three of their biggest failures and what they've taught them about life. It's a great way to hear a new side to people you may think you know. Guests include Bernie Sanders, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Stanley Tucci. Give it a try. Find How to Fail wherever you get your podcasts. The Adriatic Sea can be a perilous place to sail, especially in the winter. Flash storms, heavy rain, strong winds and waves of up to six metres are not unknown. And although they seldom last long, if they're tossing you around, they can be menacing, even deadly. Richard finds that out firsthand in December 1192. There aren't many of his followers on the galleys he hires, 
just a handful of Knights Templar, plus a few of his own trusted fighting men and one or two clerks, which suggests the galleys they're on aren't too big. Before they've gone very far at all, they take a real battering from the sea. Eventually, the galleys are driven onto the shore, somewhere between Venice and the nearby Italian port of Aquileia. The ships are smashed beyond repair. Richard and his companions don't really have much of an idea where they are. All they do know is that to get home overland from this region, pretty much any road they take passes through the lands of someone who has beef with them. Still, this is Richard we're talking about. He can't see trouble without walking towards it. He and his close pals disguise themselves as peasants and set off for a very long hike across Central Europe. It doesn't take long before they're spotted. The shipwrecks don't go unnoticed and almost as soon as they're on the road, they find themselves hunted down by a force sent by a local lord called Meinhardt of Goetz. He, surprise, surprise, isn't a Richard fan. This time it's because Richard is widely rumoured to have had one of Meinhardt's family members assassinated. In any case, Meinhardt's men give chase and they catch up with a few of Richard's party. There's a skirmish and some of Richard's men are killed. The king himself escapes. He's bruised and bloodied, but he's still alive. Now he has a better idea of where he's going. The problem is, it's not somewhere very nice. Straight ahead of him, the road leads into Leopold of Austria's territories. Beyond that are some rare friendly lands, ruled by one of his brothers-in-law. Sadly, there's no way to get there except straight through Leopold's backyard. So Richard and his pals grit their teeth, try to keep their heads down, and hope that their peasant disguises won't be rumbled. It soon becomes clear that Richard is a much better warrior than he is at going undercover. He and his knightly companions may look like peasants, but, so one chronicler says, they can't help spending money like Aristos. Very soon, suspicion is raised, and soon after that, they're marked men. On December the 21st, 1192, they're hiding out in a village near Vienna. One of Richard's men goes out to buy some food. He's recognised by one of Leopold's goons. There's what must have been a James Bond-style pursuit, and this time, the game is up. In the words of an official report of the time, Richard is tracked down, hiding and captured in a disreputable house in Vienna. He's packed off to Leopold, who is absolutely delighted, and promptly sends him to nearby Dernstein Castle. Then Leopold sends word to his ultimate boss, the Emperor, Henry VI. Henry VI has vanishingly little love for Richard either, for reasons we'll get into later, and he takes over his custody. 
then Henry writes to Philip Augustus of France. His letter, dated the 28th of December 1192, announces to Philip, and by extension the whole of Europe, that Richard was under arrest for the treason, treachery and mischief of which he had been guilty in the Holy Land. That's quite a partial summary of what Richard has been up to in the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Be that as it may, from Christmas time 1192, Richard is behind bars. And that fact is music to the ears of the King of France, the German Emperor and Richard's own brother John. The question is, how long can they keep him there? But that's for next time on This Is History. Hi everybody, before we go I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for listening to This Is History. We hope you're loving the show as much as we love making it, and we want to hear from you. Your feedback goes a long way, and it only takes a few minutes. Just head to thisishistory.fans on the browser of your choice to answer a few questions. We're so excited to hear from you, thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.